I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show needs your support, and it's not going to cost you a dime. If you're getting ready to shop on Amazon, start at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Click through the Amazon Gold Box on our homepage. And a percentage of those purchases will help support the show at no extra cost to you. The same goes for all the buy links on our site, including our guest products and all the items featured in Christopher and Eric's favorites. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your support. And now it's time for another episode episode of The Dinner Party Show. Brought to you by you. Hi, I'm Margaret Stoll. And I'm Cami Garcia. And we're the authors of Beautiful Creatures. And you're listening to The Dinner Party Show with the fabulous Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. From the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. No, there's actually a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay. No, we're no, going to no. take, is... take up a collection for the stained glass window. <laughs> now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to The Dinner Party Show's live cast for October 18th, 2015. And tonight we will not be talking about the fact that highly venomous sea snakes have started washing up on the shores of Southern California beaches as a result of El Nino. What the fuck? Which has yet to make its predicted dent in the terrifying water deficit here in drought-plagued California. Damn it. It has, however, caused mudslides that Uh. have forced people to abandon their cars, and now it's washing highly venomous sea snakes, say that five times fast, onto beaches where children play. Can we get a break here? Sea snakes? Like, really? Really? Like, we don't have enough snakes in California right? already? What else do your warmer waters have in store for us other than the rain we so desperately need, mm, El Nino? Dog paddling mountain lions who haven't eaten in days? Well, now. More plastic surgeons without medical licenses? <gasps> The horror, we can't wait. So while we reserve the right to talk smack about El Nino in general, we will not be talking about whatever hellish new creatures this had brought to our shores today. 
excuse or, me. I get upset. Or Generalissimo El Nino. Venomous <laughs> <laughs> sea snakes. Venomous sea snakes. Oh, right, right. His, his cohort, his evil sidekick, Venomous sea snake. <laughs> to come up with a voice for that meanwhile we are overjoyed that the most overexposed reality show tv family in the history of modern and not so modern media has asked for privacy as they deal with an actual family tragedy we here at the dinner party show wish them the best as they deal with this touch and go medical emergency and we are delighted to respect their wishes. Mm-hmm. We pray for recovery and that other media sources will follow our lead as we continue to ignore absolutely every single solitary news report about this family until the end of time. Mm-hmm. Godspeed and mom's the word. Mm-hmm. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of the dinner party show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn (laughs) 10.0. Okay, first of all, they already know that I was a dick to you on the phone last night because I posted a picture of your beautiful orchid that I brought you from Trader Joe's. (laughs) With a sympathy card. A sympathy card because after I was a dick. Because my best friend is an asshole. (laughs) Because after I was a jerk to you on the phone... What happened, Eric Shaw Quinn? Please tell us all about well, it. Well, after spending an entire day downloading the new, um, being forced by the continuing failure of all of my programs and drives to download uh, new Windows 10 Took your on glasses my computer, off right into the microphone. it didn't work. Yes, that's it's going to be a night of that, guys. That the fact that I'm show. still sitting upright is kind of a miracle. <laughs> yeah, the sound wouldn't work. Like It was just a whole sort of cascade of like... Great, because this is what I want to do at one o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, of course, I woke up at six freaking out about the computer. I need to get the computer. Because it's your computer. Right. And, and I needed writer, to your computer? start the day. Ooh, and then I logged on to the Apple laptop and there was another update. You have a weird relationship with Apple. Like, you, I think you may need to. Oh, I'm getting a face. Christopher, Ooh, I just Christopher got a face. actually, we, were, we went to San Diego to have dinner with Poppy. Poppy Dennison, who works in marketing at Dream Spinner. At Dream Spinner. Press. And yes. has a new book coming out next yes. week. Yes. Dogwood, Dogwood Days. Yes. Um, which will soon be available on the dinner party show, but not right now. So wait, by we get it on the dinner party show website. Promoing stuff we haven't posted with Eric Shaw Quinn. But um, on the way there, I, we were trying to listen to a a, a, oh a draft oh of the spot, the sketch for this week that Brandon had sent me on my phone, and my phone, my Apple phone literally would not play it. Christopher finally got to witness. Right. I'm telling you, there's something we need to resolve between you and Apple. We maybe have to have West Hollywood City Mediation come in and have an Apple representative sit down with you and go through all of it. But I did get it to play, but I don't I don't want to blame I don't want to blame the victim. On your phone. I will say this that if we take any more long drives in the future, I'm going to take a little camera, and I think you and your phone are going to be like a YouTube thing that we're going to do, because it's it, it has to be seen to be believed. <laughs> Eric Shawquin <laughs> believing that he can loudly reason with his iPhone. Also, when you talk into the Siri, or whatever it's called now, who sounds like the old man, when you talk into the Siri, um, that's, that's really interesting, too, because you have perfect diction, and you're trying to narrate text messages to people, and it's... Uh, no, I said the oranges were not at the store. I said the 
oranges were well, not you know, at the store. You know that bitch Siri, she'll just make up words and plug them in I, there. I, it's gotten, Sometimes it's like, that's not even a word, Siri. Why did you send that to them? It's gotten worse. I will say this, and if you have any kids in the room, I don't I don't know how many kids read Liliana Hart. She's our guest tonight. Or listen to this show. Very really, we need to get in touch with Child Protective Services if you're letting your kids listen to <laughs> listen this to show. The fucking dinner party show. I told you what my cousin said, right? I was like, have you been listening to my show? And she goes, Christopher, I have children. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, when am I going to listen? Yeah, I'll listen when they're in college. Anyway, um, I can't remember where I was going with that. Oh, yes. Kick kick ass. I tried to uh, text that to you and our friend Brian Fuller the other day. We were all messaging, and I said this this new character and something I'm working on is going to kick ass. Well, it changed it to lick ass. So what kind of? Weird... Oh, well, that's better. Yeah, really, honestly. I and it also it doesn't it it always says ducking instead of fucking. Yeah, like really, like I'm not grown up enough to like. Yeah, decide you're not allowed. You're I going to be say. censored by Siri. Yeah, absolutely. Who's also going to say lick ass? Okay, you know what? I, I'm being told no, by what? Shea Butters that we are being mocked for our first not report item. Apparently, people want us to talk about the sea snakes that are washing up on the shores of Southern California. I really? don't think people realize how venomous sea snakes actually are. Like I don't. These are really fucking venomous snakes. Like, and there's a video online of like the dad touching it and putting it in a bucket so that they can identify it later, which is like that could have been one dead dad. Yeah. Whose dad was that? I don't know. Someone who really wanted to have his viral video on CNN. I guess so. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, so we're talking like, so about is there it. just the one snake from this one guy or is there really there's like a lot one. of snakes? No, two or three. I think there have been two Are they or three. always out there and they're no. just washing up? Like They have not washed up in 33 years. But that doesn't mean like uh, it's sort of like that horrible scene in your book. Like if they're in the water, if they're in the water, is it better if they're in the water and you can't see them? The heavens rise available at the dinnerpartyshow.com. And is it on special? No, that's no. Oh, I forgot to mention. Thank you for reminding me. The surrender gate is still ninety nine cents, and I believe it will be until midnight on Monday. And um, (laughs) which is tonight? No, is it? Oh. No, the the deal started on Tuesday of this week. So it's actually Monday midnight. I it's think not actually at midnight Monday. tonight when it becomes Monday. It's midnight. It's sort of like when it's they say it's full moon. Is it what full moon day, tonight or is it full moon tomorrow? What day does midnight belong to? This is a real question, but it could also right. be. A and sad what day folk does the song. moon belong to? I don't know. That's don't a know. better song. That's a children's. What song. What day does the moon belong to? Yeah, that's my. Put that down, song. Chip. Put that down. Don't put that in your mouth. Um, where were we talking about before we got all interesting? We were talking about sea snakes and yes. whether or not you could find them if they were in the well, water or washing up on the shore. I think at least on the shore you can hit them with that wire thing you heard about. Oh, your... I heard about that when I was doing the casting call for the uh, the cover of Dance of Desire, which will be out in I February. I just keep bringing up sales opportunities here. <laughs> we haven't Get talked... your advanced copy soon. Look and for it on we... <laughs> thedinnerpartyshow.com. In our... We have not talked about Right Murder once. Um, but <laughs> which we is will. the book we're actually here to sell. Um Oh, yeah. So one of the models who came into audition was Australian, and he had worked on a ranch in Queensland, I believe it's called. And I immediately was like, how did you deal with the snakes? And he said, well, we had a wa- – I can't do an Australian accent. He said, we had a wire. And I went, a wire? Well, what we, is a wire? We had a wire. We had a – no. <laughs> we had a wire. Australia by way of the Bronx with Eric Jacques Quinn. <laughs> and I said, what is that? He said, it's like a whip 
where you have a wooden handle, but instead of a leather whip protruding from it, you have a long wire, and it's incredibly easy to break a snake's spine with it instantly. Yeah, I've actually always thought, but, as terrified as I am of snakes, what a terrifying life it would be to be a snake. I, and I have to say, also, before we get people believing that I'm advocating harming snakes, he said they didn't go— I am. Ar- I'm advocating harming snakes. <laughs> they, Kill all of they them. They didn't go around harvesting snakes. They, if they were working— and it, they came into contact with a highly venomous snake, that's when they use the wire. So if they're pulling a wood pile apart and there's a snake and it's coiling to strike, do you think they, boom. Do you think they, they used a wire on the king cobra they found under the washing machine? And Where was this? <laughs> it was in Florida. Of oh, course. Oh, no. Well, Amy was the, was the king cobra they found under the washing machine in, in Florida. We'll check in with our Florida correspondent, Amy Bellino. Amy Bellino, please call the party line and let us know the latest about snakes. Late-breaking news, or just post it on the Facebook page since we're talking about it now and won't remember what we said about it next week. The Surrender Gate is still 99 cents on Amazon.com. <laughs> yes, it's only and it's for the And it's 100% snake-free. That's correct. The- <laughs> Is well, it's got a different type of snake. Know what I mean? <laughs> it's an erotic romance. The one-eyed variety. <laughs> it's got a one-eyed snake in it. A lot of snakes. Like that um, movie. What was that movie you made me watch? That everything was a phallic reference. Um, Goonies. Goonies. Goonies is the most phallically uh, driven show that I have a movie that I've ever seen in my well, life. Well, the dead pirate is one-eyed, one-eyed Willie. Willie. Like yeah, yeah. and they. Snap off the dick off the David and put it back on as an erection yeah, with right. a, with chewing gum and like right. it was just it, every other thing they say has I some really, dick. Joke. I really hope Liliana Hart and Scott Silvery didn't tell their whole family to listen to the show tonight. <laughs> Had they heard the show before? I think they have heard. Yeah, the show. I think I think like, you know. Four orange kids go in the other room. Go in the right. other room. So let's or uh, stick around and learn all the stuff that they don't want you to hear. They're going to be here later in the show, just to let you know. Oh my God! Yeah, Liliana Hart has published over. Uh, she has sold over three million ebooks. She has appeared on the New York Times and USA Today bestseller list multiple times. She is a contributor to A Thousand and One Dark Nights, which is how I met her. Her husband Scott Silvery is the retired chief of police for Thibodeau, Louisiana, back from where around where we're from. Eric Shaw Quinn, you're right. from Natchitoches. I'm that from neck New of the woods. Oh, he's and willing to admit that I'm from Natchitoches this I, month. I am willing. He really I, is. He really is trying to make up for you know <laughs> the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce does try. They contact me every week trying to get, get me to, to describe stop. you as no South Carolina born Eric Shaw Quinn. I was actually born in Heidelberg, Germany. Which means that you are part German technology. That, that's really yeah. it. And and I also have um, <laughs> it saw illegal software. Yes, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> which is fucking up your software right? updates. When I go to the dead, it's why, it's why I have that weird relationship with Apple. William Matson is daring people to dress up as snakes for the Lestat Ball, which is in... Two weeks, I might add, in oh New Orleans, God. Can Louisiana. Can you still get tickets? I... I believe tickets are still available, and they're still for sale online. It's called, I think it's called The Gathering of the Ancients Ball. If there was it's a not... post earlier today, I think, on yeah. the dinner party show. On I think Shay put something up to... I need the Vampire Lestat fan club to get in touch with me if the name of the event has changed so we can start using the accurate name. And there's a waiting list. Are we full up for the, the, the right you, murder would... launch party? Yeah. Well, it's really not a launch party. It's a celebration party. The right murder... Right Murder Fest. It's your New Orleans launch right? party. We're launching it in New Orleans, but yes. That, Although uh, you can already get it there. If you are still interested in attending that party, 
Send us a private message on Facebook, and we'll see if we can accommodate you. We're almost at capacity, but we are not quite there yet. Oh, okay. And we have a nice crowd And it'll go out. on a waiting list, if, if, if so it's worth the risk. And we're giving you... away the book, and Eric Sharquin's going to sign it for you. We're giving it away. Yeah, it's a giveaway. <laughs> well. We're giving it away. We can't give this stuff away. <laughs> Actually, we can. <laughs> <laughs> it's ours. I already bought them. Right, so. totally. Yeah, we really actually can. They're already in New Orleans, I think. They are. They are already in New New Orleans. They have been shipped to New Orleans along with some beautiful posters of the book cover, like the one we have in our lobby and that we have posted on Facebook a million times because but you that's can get how it your works. Copy, your digital or print copy right now from yeah. the dinnerpartyshow.com or at Amazon or at Kobo or at Barnes and Noble or we've made it available later. Did you hear that, Frank Lozier? It's available at Kobo. I know you're a loyal Kobo customer up there and has been for they Canada. were one of the first that um they were one of the first places that I was able to – I think I was able to even put it there in advance, not okay. the print version. I think the print version you either have to get through Amazon or directly from CreateSpace. But. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you know what else is fun? Christopher's sick of talking about that. You, you know what else is fun? We, tonight we have Liliana Hart and Scott Silveri. I know. That'll be fun. Next week we have Patricia Cornwell again. Oh, my God. She had to come in. She rec- We recorded the interview a few weeks ago, and we posted pictures on it, which is why we're not pretending it's a live interview. Um, but it'll be part of next week's show, and it was wonderful. She was in town to do a lot of things, but I think she's claiming she just came in town to do our show. Right. She flew <laughs> in to do our show. That's what we're – but actually she's – I think she's still here. She's – that weekend, next weekend, she's also doing that – Live Talk, L.A. Live She's Talks with Jamie Curtis. She's doing an event here in Los Angeles when the weekend we're in New Orleans. So it's it's October 30th, Actually, I believe. Actually, subsequent to. So she's yeah. probably gone away and she'll come she's back. She's coming back. She's just a globetrotter, that Patricia. She's being interviewed. She's also a wonderful guest. It's a great interview. We got to talk about murder mysteries, our shared love of murder mysteries, and Miss Scarpetta... And uh, and Jack the ghost of the Jack ghost the Ripper. Of Jack the Ripper. You get to hear that story next week on the Dinner Party Show. In the meantime, I'm not really sure how to describe this next report. Well, it's it's right. It, it's the right murder. What Ma- is it? Right murder madness. Right murder oh my madness. God, I'm tired. You're um, so tired. I'm so about to fall asleep. It's right murder madness. So it's a murder mystery. It's a new oh, okay. dinner party show murder mystery. It's called Murder Most Foul. Uh, yeah, I heard some chicken sounds or what I thought was chicken sounds earlier. Let's see what's going on over here. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. The internet is full of people talking about stuff they hate. So on the dinnerpartyshow.com, we've decided to launch a new feature that's all about stuff we love. That's right. It's called Christopher and Eric's Favorites. Each month, we'll recommend a variety of products we just can't live without so that you can enjoy them too. You can visit Christopher and Eric's Favorites at thedinnerpartyshow.com, and that's where you can also sign up for our newsletter and be the first to know when new favorites are added to the site. And remember, if you use any of the buy links on thedinnerpartyshow.com, a percentage of your purchase will help support the operation of the show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. Once upon a time, in a barnyard far, far away, there lived a family of the happiest chickens you ever did see, the Chicken Lickens. There was Cockadoodle Dad, Chicken Lickin'. His lovely wife, Bertolote, chicken licking. And their many, many happy children. Blinky, Blucky, Beaky, Clucky, 
malty and hortense. And of course, there were the Chicken Lickens' happy neighbours. The Plymouths, the Orpingtons, the Leghorns, the Reds of the Rhode Island Reds, and the Capons. To name just a few, all was well and happy in Chickendale. And when a new neighbour, the Colonel, moved into the old McDonald place, just up the road, the Chicken Lickens and all their neighbours went out of their way to make the old man feel welcome in his new home in Chickendale. It is most hospitable of you all to bring me this. What is this? A fistful of worms to welcome me to Chickendale. I'll make good use of these fishing and have you all for dinner real soon. But then, it happened one Sunday. Cock-a-doodle, do you know where Capastian is? I haven't seen him since that party you all were not invited to. But Capastian's disappearance was just the beginning. The following Sunday, the Orpington son, Puff, failed to return home to the roost at sunset. And on subsequent Sundays, Ruby Red went missing. Flugelhorn Leghorn disappeared with no warning or fanfare. And when the Chicken Lickens' own Clucky went silent, Chickendale was in an uproar. <laughs> Search though they might, the Chicken Lickens never heard from Clucky again. Everyone pitched in and did everything on two legs. They put a curfew in effect, but since no one in Chickendale had ever stayed awake past sunset, no one knew if it was effective. They passed a rule that local residents should only travel in flocks, but the disappearances continued. The Friars Club even posted a reward, but it was to no avail. Chickendale's newest resident, the Colonel, pitched in. He built a chicken spa with a beautiful red roof, buttermilk baths, and 11 herbs and spices. But it was not enough to calm the clutch in the face of such unexplained tragedy. Even the famous French detective, Hercule Poulet, was called in to investigate, but he soon disappeared in a cloud of marsala. And then one night, the colonel invited the whole of Chickendale over for Sunday dinner, and their troubles were all over. is? Oh, say, chickens are not only stupid, they're finger-licking good. Tough. 
tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now, it's time for The Dish. We hope you kept your silverware. <laughs> Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And joining us now Giggling via in the background. Skype is Liliana Hart, the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of more than 40 titles and her brand new husband. <laughs> <laughs> he just arrived from the factory earlier today. Fresh yeah. off the rack. Fresh <laughs> off the train. Right? Scott Silveri. Mail order. He served as the mail order chief of police <laughs> for a, a nationally Accredited sheriff's office. He is also an author, and today, and they more recently have started their own company, Silverheart. Is it Silverheart LLC, Silverheart Incorporated? What is the official title of Silverheart? Just Silverheart. Okay. Is it Silverheart.com? No, it's SilverheartWriters.com. SilverheartWriters.com. So that would be the officialness. I always oh. try and do that with the DinnerPartyShow.com. I always try and say that just because that's how people find everything now. And well, apparently that was Jeff Bezos' strategy in the beginning. He never said Amazon. He said Amazon.com. Amazon.com. Because yeah, because it was. So for the it worked out okay. And the rest of this interview, let's all say our names plus .com. <laughs> so Liliana.com. So Liliana.com. That's com. LilianaHart.com. Oh, LilianaHart.com. Sorry. sorry. ScottSilvery.com. It's mm-hmm. a ScottSilvery.com. But it's ChrisRiceWriter.com, right? No, no, it's Christopher Rice Books because some douche has Christopher Rice and his name <laughs> is that the worst? Yes, he's a squatter and there's nothing I can do about well, it. Well, there's some lady on Twitter that Scott, is Scott, can you take care of him? Hurt, so yeah, we'll take care of him. It's, um, okay. She's like at Liliana Hart and I'm like, you are not even, that's not even her real name. I know. So, this, so she has to be like Liliana underscore Hart. Which How is a pain because now I have to be like, I'm Liliana underscore Hart. At Twitter, I you hate know. that. Well, I hate when I got when I bought the URLs for the dinner party show. I bought all of them, like so <laughs> that if you type the dinner party show dot org, you still come to us. Like I bought, like I wasn't going to have anybody else even sort the of the dinner party close. show dot Swedish fish. We own that just in case because yeah, you never it know. It didn't turn out to be as big a problem as we had right. hoped. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, clearly, starting a business is a huge pain in the behind. So, but we're, living in the digital world is a great new opportunity, which you, like more than most people, have taken real advantage of. So give us the pitch on Silverheart. I can I can tell people that it's basically it is about connecting writers with law enforcement industry professionals for research purposes. Is that correct? That's a great pitch. You should you should use that. And he has a good announcer voice too, huh? I know. Oh, we can record that and start. Playing. Yeah, can we just put that on? We there? actually did record that. <laughs> We're recording all of that. Yeah, we weren't really sure what we did. Now, now we have a better understanding. Oh, thank God, Christopher was here. I know. This interview would have just gone all over the place. I like to call him Christopher, too, like by its full name. It's like he's in trouble. 
It it's is a- it is like I'm in trouble. I feel in trouble right oh, now. His middle name is Travis. If you really want to go whole really? hog, full four alarm trouble. Travis, is it? Yes. I'm gonna use that. So, and I'll tell you why after we actually talk about your company. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher is. This is the first time Christopher has ever not wanted to talk about. Christopher no, it's a good. In the whole time no, I've it's ever a good story, but I love their company. It's a, it's it's a it's a valuable. It really resource. is an amazing idea. I love this concept. This is a valuable resource for for writers, and basically, you know, it. I guess it's been in development for a couple of years, and you know, we decided early on, you know, if we ever wanted to see each other, that we should try to figure out <laughs> some way <laughs> to work together. Way to work together. Yeah. You know, there's not very many people that have his kind of background you know, chief of police and a PhD in anthropology. And, and, you know, he worked undercover for 12 years and he was, you know, SWAT for 16. And I mean, there, there's just not very many people. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's, he's written nonfiction textbooks and he's written fiction. And I mean, there's just not very many people with those. Yeah. That's a unique skill set. And, um, and, and the kind of connections that he has and he has connections everywhere. And, you know, there are connections that I found valuable as a writer and it was really, you know, just, I, basically, it was selfish on my part because I'm like, man, look at all this stuff, you know. That <laughs> don't tell anyone. Don't tell, don't anyone. tell Christopher Rice. Yeah. <laughs> don't I, t- yeah. I was like, don't man, tell. you are pretty handy. I should marry you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when do you have time to run a business? You've published. You started publishing in 2011, and you have sold over three million ebooks. It's actually four million now. Four Ooh. million. Your bio is outdated already. Just since this morning. Just another million sold this morning. When do you guys have time to run a business? And now, Scott, you're writing too. Well, he retired last month, so that's helped a lot. Right, right, absolutely. Okay. From which? He retired. From which job? Which of the 12 jobs? Yeah, he immediately grew a retirement beard. Oh, Chris, you ought to see it. It's amazing. You have. I just sent him that picture. Oh, yeah. He can see it. (laughs) You have grown a retirement beard since I saw you in New York this summer. Is that correct? Yes, it is gray and glorious. Yeah. It must be cooler in Louisiana than it is here. It's a little bit. Yeah, it's nice. It's like 80. We we stay inside all the time. We keep the air conditioning on. It's Ah. not like we go outside to exercise or, you know. We did go out in the Jeep today to go to Sonic. Yeah. (laughs) Are you counting Sonic as cardio now? I like that. The walk to the car, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, we're going to go to lunch later for cardio. Well, lunch is across the street from our studio. Right. So yeah. so um, if people want to know more about Silverheart, they should go to silverheart.com. Mm-hmm. And Silverheartwriters.com. Silverheartwriters.com. Silverheartwriters. Yeah. You know, basically Christopher.com. We took the expertise of both of us, you know, him with law enforcement. You know, I write mystery, suspense, you know, thrillers, and I'm – I, I get sucked into the research, as I'm sure you do. You know, all of a sudden, you're spending four hours looking at some, like, crazy Oh, it's night. the perfect way to avoid writing. Right. Yeah. I need to research this. I'll right. see yeah, you next totally. month. So, you know, we have a, a team of subject matter experts, you know, from medical examiners to toxicologists to firemen to arson to, you know, detectives and, you know, everywhere in between. And you can actually go onto the site and you can, you know, it's a membership-based web- website, but you can talk to them directly. You can ask them a direct question. Um, a video lover. We have a I video. Mean, little things that, you know, I took for granted. I mean, mm-hmm. putting on a uniform or, or what goes on your, your Which duty belt. Which is my favorite part oh, of gosh. the whole day. He hates that, but I love to watch him put on his uniform. I've been retired for a month. I still have to get up and dress. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got to keep it fresh. The honeymoon period's worn off. so we got But the uniform still hasn't. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's good. Some things work every time. Well, so what you're saying is you all have carefully taken away my excuse for not writing because you've made right. it so easy right. to find out all of those little details. Like it is often startling when you sit down to write something like the what it what it means to put on the I don't know, I'm gonna say utility belt. I know that's probably more like Batman, but Batman. still you know what I mean. <laughs> or the plumber. <laughs> uh they don't have resources for plumbing mysteries yet. But yeah, exactly. I, I it's totally, probably a thing. I, what I was thinking is it's like Uber for law enforcement consultants, right? It's about harnessing the power of the internet to connect people instantly. Because I will say, and Eric, we complain about this all the time on the show, is that in this day and age, when you go to Google something, you just type a question into Google. It makes me crazy. You just end up on a form with people who don't really know what they're talking about. All you're getting is other people asking the same question you are. You're not actually getting the answer to your question. You're getting some stupid forum where everybody's going, yeah, how the hell does that work? I I just swallowed a turkey leg. Am I going to die? I don't think so. My aunt swallowed. You know, and it's Christopher, like, you've is, been googling no, swallowed a turkey no, leg. No, no, I'm just, I'm just throwing stuff out there. I'm just being creative. <laughs> I think that we may be onto something here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, it's Travis, not realistic. Travis <laughs> is bringing a lot out. So the deal is this: now that we did talk about your company, I can tell you why my middle name is Travis. Christopher Travis Rice, <laughs> my atheist father from Texas, who was the skeptical and suspicious of everything and everyone except. The Alamo. If you brought up the Alamo, the man tears down the side of his face, even though he had gone to California and been a beatnik poet. You talked about the Alamo. His his Texas just came rising up. And that is why my middle name is after William B. Travis of the Alamo. <laughs> I did not know that. You didn't know that? All these years. Wow. Well, I probably forgot. I got chills. You know how just I am. Listening to that story. No, I got chills just hearing it's that story. Am- it was the Alamo. amazing. It's, it's a- the Alamo is very powerful. I'm from Texas, yeah, too, I totally so agree. I understand. So tell me why it's powerful. <laughs> yeah, it's I, like, didn't we lose at the Alamo? Wasn't it a terrible tragedy? That's why. It was the last man standing. Everything you were well, fighting. What's good about defeat? No, I don't know. It's about <laughs> so John it's Wayne the and the movie. Ah, it's, it's the film about the Alamo. <laughs> Wasn't he in the Alamo? It's it's, the it, there Alamo. is a more recent movie <laughs> of the Alamo. I haven't watched it. I think Jeff Daniels might be in it. It's on they Netflix. They all die. So yeah, they all die. That's the end. And then we take well, Texas away from Mexico anyway. They still lose. Like, right, yeah. It's like we won, so I guess it's a good thing, but I guess it is sort of like a remember the main or something. Okay, so Eric Shaw Quinn recently read which one? It was the first. Whiskey Rebellion. I just started it. I just started I so loved it. It's such a good time. And so the question that I wanted to ask was, are are you guys, are you Addison and Nick? Oh. <laughs> like I, I couldn't help but think of it because I knew, you know, that well, you, you had wound up to, together. You wound up with your, your police officers. So. You know, I write two first-person books. One, Addison is very much a part of my personality. And then like J.J. Graves is, is kind of the other side. It is very comfortable writing both of those characters, I should say. And a lot of those stories are true, oh. the things that happen. Oh. Like in the beginning when she's, um, you know, stripping in another. You stripped? <laughs> right. No, not me. That oh. wasn't me. I should have. She went to TCU. I know. <laughs> no, but somebody I went to college with, she went to TCU too. And she wound up a stripper? She was teaching and then she would go and strip mm-hmm. in a different county to mm-hmm. make extra money. Because, you know, like when we started teaching, it was like $27,000 a year. You made that much? Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> did you make at least that much as a stripper, or did she? I mean, did your friend make 27000 Well, she was way better at it than Addison your, was. 
friend. Yeah, my friend. He just quotation marks me. And probably the lack of murders helped spark up her performance, too. <laughs> yeah, she was making like $1,000 a night. It was crazy. She was Now TCU has a minor in stripping. She helped run the uh, scholarship. Oh, my God. My favorite thing in your resume is that you didn't, you, you're not sure why you majored in music. Right? <laughs> oh. Were the lines well, just shorter well, at the registration table? And what's better is I have a minor in art history. So it's like I wanted to really assure myself that I could not find a job. I so get that. I couldn't even type. I had a minor in philosophy. Major in theater, minor in philosophy. I couldn't type when I graduated. It was like completely unemployable man. But you looked really awesome in a turtleneck, I bet. Uh, Yeah, and he's very philosophical today. Like you're trying to make plans and he gets very philosophical. Yeah, take me to a French bistro and give me some espresso and and I'll pontificate for hours. Or we can go see the new Avengers movie. Yeah, or that. All right, so we want to talk about how you two met. If you're not actually Addison and Nick, because the, the series, I believe, predates your meeting, Scott. Did it you, does. You read The Secret, and did you manifest Scott Apparently. into existence? Oh my actually, God. I did. Is there did a vision this? board with Scott's uniform? Because my on last, it? one of my last books was about killer plants, and I don't want to meet those. So oh, I God. Take if a, there's a, a snake in the car. <laughs> it's very freaky, like, how we met. And it, it, I think it creeps it's him out freak. still. He's, he's a little scared of me. But so, uh, so you were in his bushes outside his house. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> well, watching him we, put on that uniform. You were asking about Addison and Nick, but it's more the other series, the JJ Grave series, JJ and Jack. And uh-huh. my character, Jack Lawson, in the JJ Grave series, he he's a sheriff, but he was he has advanced degrees, and he's he, you know he worked undercover, and he see what else he did. Oh, he was he was SWAT commander for a lot of years, and you know he's got like this great history you know and i wrote that seven years before i met scott wow about three years ago i was teaching at a writer's conference and uh first time i was invited to come down and they asked me to teach swat so i'm going through the whole thing you know the alpha male character and all that stuff character development and afterwards she comes up and she's like i wish i'd met you about four years earlier and i'm thinking that's a nice pickup line little girl but i've got another class to teach (laughs) and i thought that was actually like the worst approach you know i've ever heard he thought it was hitting on I him. thought she was hitting on me. I, I didn't have a clue who she was. Somebody has a little bit of an ego problem. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't it, I don't find it a problem. So, so we get to you talk did marry him after all. This series. And she says, really, you were the guy. You were the, uh, you're the alpha in, in one of my series. So I, I started reading it last year. Um, and, the, and the character, Jack, uh, it's absolutely amazing, the parallel between he and I. Huh. And uh, when I got to the third book, uh, this is that and Addison Holmes are my two favorite series. But in the third book of J.J. Graves, they get down to where they're even talking about a, a, a tattoo. And I tell you, I, t- I was listening to it on audiobooks, and I turned off the, the book and I, and I called her. I was like, this is insane. All these other characteristics I can understand. You can guess behavior and personality types. But there's a tattoo that SWAT cops have and that, that it's nothing formal or official. It's just part of the fraternity. I mean, cops all around the world have this very specific tattoo. Her character, that Jack, has that exact tattoo. And this was written years before we met. And uh, it it was amazing. It was freaky, but it was amazing that she pays that much attention to detail. Uh, her, her research. And then I started thinking, well, what other cop did you look at naked to see that tattoo? Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, is, Excellent. It, is it in a particularly poignant location? Yeah, you know, it's all, all over the place. Yeah, Scott, uh, 
<laughs> it's a repeat tattoo. It multiplied. We're going to be back here in just a minute with Liliana Hart and Scott Silveri talking about stripping, self-publishing, and law enforcement. And SilverHeartWriters.com. And SilverHeartWriters.com. Stick around. And LilianaHart.com and ScottSilveri.com and EricShawQuinn.com and ChristopherRiceBooks.com. God damn it. God damn it. Dot com. We'll be right back. We take you to Breck Artery, live from the TDPS News World Headquarters. Breck? Breck Artery, TDPS News. This just in, Eric Shaw Quinn has finally finished writing that book he keeps talking about. Yes, despite what you might have heard... Thank you so much for reading all of that for me so I didn't have to toot my own horn. That's what friends are for. Yeah, well, let's hope you finish your book so we can celebrate its release soon as well. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you! (laughs) I finished my book last spring, you asshole! (laughs) Or maybe because of it, Eric Shaw Quinn's latest novel, Right Murder, is now available for purchase in your favorite formats through thedinnerpartyshow.com and at amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and iBooks. According to our sources, Right Murder is Eric's first ever murder mystery and the first in his new Right Murder Mystery series. It's the story of serial murder, Hollywood depravity, and the two most unlikely detectives in the history of mystery fiction. Angela Panderson, aging sex kitten, pop culture punchline, and nearly forgotten star, and Paige Blanche, her bitter former ghostwriter, ex-friend, and number one enemy, fight and claw mostly with each other as they plumb the depths of Hollywood's sordid behind-the-scenes world as they try to clear their names or at least get their movie deal greenlit. Right Murder is an insider's look at the ludicrous underbelly of Tinseltown and this just in... It's a comedy! Get a copy of Right Murder, now available for purchase in your favorite formats through thedinnerpartyshow.com and at amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and iBooks. Right Murder. Fame is murder. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, bringing you interviews with some of the hottest celebrities who made the mistake of taking Christopher and Eric's call. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And this Sunday, October 25th, we bring you an all-new interview with Patricia Cornwell, number one best-selling author and the inventor of the forensic thriller. That's right. The mother of Kay Scarpetta, one of the world's most famous crime solvers, is back to discuss her latest novel, Depraved Heart, and the ghost of Jack the Ripper. Patricia Cornwell, this Sunday, October 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on The Dinner Party Show. The Dinner Party Show, a new live cast, begins airing every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, at thedinnerpartyshow.com or through our free mobile app. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, where all of our shows are available for free anytime you want to listen. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we are talking to Liliana Hart and Scott Silveri, the founders of Silverheart Writers. Silverheartwriters.com is the web address. We were talking earlier about stripping self-publishing and law enforcement. <laughs> okay, here's a question for you guys. I've which, only done one of them. Which is the most lucrative? Do we want to call it self-publishing or do we want to call it indie publishing? 
so I don't care. Okay. She just avoids controversy. I love it. No, no, I mean, I don't. I don't care. I make money either way, so. (laughs) Recently, there was a little controversy that you ran up against. Let's talk about this application um, to the Mystery Writers of America. Oh. Oh. My jaw is still on the floor from that one. Christopher called me last night and said, guess what? You should have seen the email she received this morning. I know. Well, I sent him like a, I, I thought it was a polite email, but I just sent him an email. I, in the past, I'd been a, me- a member of Mystery Writers of America, and I'd let my membership lapse. It was before I was published, and and so I was going back. I was going to resubscribe, you know, to a membership, and I'm checking it out, and and it comes to find out that I don't qualify as a as a published author. And I was like, you mean to tell me that I've you know hit the New York Times and the the USA Today a combined total of sixteen times in the last three years, and I don't qualify as a published author, right? Like it's and, the twenty first um, century, right? And I was like, um, you know, it said, you know, they've got like their list of publishers and that are acceptable, and and I was like, well, I've turned down two seven figure deals, and I was like, but that was my choice. I was like, I was like, but that doesn't count either, you know. So it was just very, it was very weird because like I, I hardly ever run across anything like that anymore. Mostly, I don't care. I kind of just do what I want to at this point. But yeah, you're doing running okay. across something like that, and it just kind of took me aback. I'm like, really? Are you really that far behind that? that that doesn't count qualify you as being a published author. So I sent him a little email and I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm just really confused as, as right? to why I'm not considered, you know? And so I got an email back and actually Scott forwarded it to me. He read it first and he was like, I can't wait to see your answer to this. <laughs> what did it say? <laughs> and that the, you know, it just talked about how her suggestion was that I go ahead and sign up, you know, as like a little, as the associate and that their, their board is still talking about it, you know, but to go ahead and sign up and be patient and see what they say. <laughs> That's how she ended the email. I love that. Be, be wow. Patient. Yes. Be patient. Like, oh, all right. I'm not going to give you my money while I'm going to sit here and be patient and can't do anything. You Unbelievable. Know? Can't be a, yeah. Well, I, I, I will put a little plug out there for the organization I helped start, and I saw MJ Rose did, who has been a mm-hmm. guest on the show, left a comment. ITW International Thriller Writers has yes. been accepting indie published writers to full membership for some time now, and uh, you will always be welcome there, as yes. will anyone who lives in the 21st century. Right. It's hard to imagine there's still some stigma or any sort of reticence about the, recognizing digital publishing. The best as- part about this, too, is that they also ask you to prove that you've made at least $1,000 off of your books. That was the best part. I was like, like this morning or... (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great statement on what you make when you sign up with a traditional publisher. Right. It's uh, it's unbelievable. But, you know, this has changed very fast, as I'm sure Mm -hmm. you know. And you were... Too fast for mystery writers, apparently. I saw you give an interview previously that said, in the past, before the Kindle and before everything changed in the digital marketplace that you would get rejected by traditional publishers on the basis of the fact that your book was more than one thing, right? That it right. was a mystery with a lot of sex. And they they would say, well, we don't know where to shelve that in the store. Yeah, that happened to me four times. I got, you know, I got acquired by editors and then shot down in marketing. Actually, for both the J.J. Graves series and the uh, Addison Holmes series, both of those got were acquired and then given back, you know. Right. And they, they were like, we don't know where to shelve you. You know, we, there's no place for, for this kind of book. And I'm like... And then... Kindle comes along or ebooks mm-hmm. come along and did yeah. you just say I'm going to do it I'm just going to do it and see what happens or did you have a big plan No at, at the time my agent at the time you know I was with Trident at that point and she was my third agent and you know she was like you know I have several clients who are doing this and they're being successful at it she's like why don't you give it a try 
um, because that was back in 2010 and, you know, anybody in publishing knows what the 2010 was just, you know, nobody was buying anything and the economy was in the toilet, you know? Right. And, um, and so I did, but I was so, I was so ashamed, you know, like I had just been to an RWA meeting like with my local chapter that talked all about how you should never self-publish. Like it was very, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I was so, um, you know, that stigma was still very strong then. And I was so, that's fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So back years ago, yeah, back in 2011, you know, so my, my agent suggested that I do it and I was like, Oh no way. You know, I was like, I'm going to, cause I mean, that was the stigma, you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot, you're throwing your career away. Nobody will ever buy you. You've given up, you know, you're selling yourself short, like all of that kind of stuff, you know? And so, but I, it, she'd planted a seed, you know? And so in, uh, in June, I actually put up the first Addison Holmes book, the first JJ Graves book, you know, these, these books that I had that I knew were good enough because they'd been acquired, but there was just no place for them. And I, but I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell any friends. And I sure as heck didn't tell anybody in my local writing chapter <laughs> after I had just sat through that meeting about how you should never self-publish, you know? Wow. So just that first month, I sold 444 books, which was about like an extra thousand dollars at that point, like what I was pricing. But, you know, to somebody who was a teacher and, you know, never made it. You know, wasn't making Flirting any with money. stripping on the side <laughs> in another county, <laughs> a nearby yeah. parish. Somebody who was a teacher who lived on like random cans of salmon and beans at the end of the month, you know. Did you uh, have leaky ceiling with lots of pots around the house? No, I didn't have that. Well, but, that's good. But mostly I just sat in my house because I couldn't afford to like go any, like couldn't afford to buy four, $4 gallon $4 gas, milk. you know, and <laughs> stuff like that. So it was, I mean, a very exciting time, you know, so an extra thousand dollars a month sure. insane, you know, and then the second month I still didn't tell anybody, but I, I more than doubled it. I sold 1800 books wow. at that point. I was like, I'm going to pay off my car. I'm going to, you know, with my extra couple thousand dollars a month. And then the McKinsey's were born. I wrote the first four McKinsey brothers novellas. And that third month I was, I sold more than 20,000 books. Whoa. Uh huh. So wow. in that span of time in writing those, those, First four books. Like, I'll always have a, a soft spot for those first four McKinsey brothers, you know, because right. they just really launched everything. Yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride. It feels like a – it's like dog years. I'm like 142, but it's really only been <laughs> only five years. Right. I mean, that's what I was marveling at is how quickly attitudes have changed and how quickly this has turned around in the marketplace. Like, nobody at RWA would have any sort of reticence at all about uh-huh. digital or indie publishing. No, yeah. I think they're now scrambling to have all these workshops at RWA that feel very outdated, given the fact that they were kind of late to the party in terms of what self-published right. writers need to do. And mm-hmm. and Liliana, you are flying all over the country giving lectures and, and cluing people in on, on what it takes. I want to ask you, we just went through an experience. Eric has published his first murder mystery mm-hmm. independently. I that. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're, we've put it out into the world, and it's uh, it's very exciting, and it's very funny, and everyone should go buy it and read it. But we, we, we've talked right murder. Can right murder. That? No, I didn't say the name. Say, <laughs> say now the I name. have to say it five times for right. forgetting. Right murder. Right murder. Right murder. Right murder. And then it will appear. Uh, if there's one thing, one piece of advice that you want to give writers who are considering self-publishing that you think is the most important and maybe the most overlooked, the thing that may catch them off guard, what would it be? Uh, you get started on that next book like right away and get it out. <laughs> Um, you hear that, Eric really, Shaw Quinn? I keep trying to have some writing time. I'm, I so feel that. Well, I mean, that, and that's the thing with, with sustaining self-publishing is, and a lot of people ask, like, 
you know, today's market is very different from five years ago market. But I truly believe that you could be just as successful today as you could be, you know, five years ago when it was newer and easier. And, you know, and, and I think patience is the key to all that. You know, I would wait. It's really hard to sell one book in, in a sea of millions. Like yeah, just the visibility yeah. is really hard. And um, so That's I would actually. really good advice. I would actually wait until I had, you know, several books written. And release them simultaneously? All at the same time. Wow. Excellent. You know, everybody that's been, you know, even me, you know, early on, because I've been writing 17 years, which is always amazing because people are like, but you are overnight success. And I'm like, yeah, totally. 17 years in the making, you know? <laughs> right. And then overnight, and then, it, you yeah. were successful. But yeah. I, I, it's a different thing, you know, even even for me, I was, you know, traditionally published. I was used to all those rules, you know, about releases and those first couple weeks of sales. That's what really matters in traditional publishing. And if you don't sell after that, then forget it and move on. But but with self-publishing, it's, it's the long tail that really matters. And um, you really don't start to see the pickup. You know, I never really pay attention to my first... You know, I'll look at first week sales when I have any release because, um, you know, because of the lists and stuff like that. But, you know, I have books that are three years old that still sell 30,000 copies a month. And that is where self-publishing is so different. It's because that long tail, I mean, the consistency of your sales. I mean, that's that's unbelievable that you can have that consistency and still sell 30,000 copies a, a month of one title that's three years old, you know, you know, that's, I think that's what you're shooting for. Yeah, it's like a successful small business. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. If you right. make a product and it's to only sells the first week and then you never sell it again, that would be not a great business, but you put your products on the shelf every week and people keep coming back for more. And you know, they, they read your first book and they love it. What's the, what's the first thing they say? Where's the next one? Yeah. Right. Next one, Absolutely. Yeah. And if you make them in a market this uh, crowded and saturated, if you make them wait three years for the next one, they may well have forgotten about you three years later, which is a sad thing to say, but it's just true. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, Chris, last year I did a, uh, a short stories um, series, it was mm-hmm. like a Cajun murder Cereals. mystery series, mm-hmm. and and it was going to be like it was like television episodes, and they were like ten to twelve thousand words each, and. And the plan was to put one out every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to write in real time with a lot of reader interaction. And, and in the beginning, it started off really well. It started off to where, where's the next one? Where's the next one? Well, life gets in the way and two weeks turned into two months. And, and instead of where's the next one, it was, now who's that again? Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, you saw the slide, you know, the mm-hmm. downward slide. Uh, so, so she's right. I mean, as soon as they read it, if they like it, they're going to say what's next. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got to have that but, next. But I mean, I would tell people just to be patient and, and wait till you have like a little catalog of books, you know, and then, <laughs> um, you know, put them all out at once. And then I would actually hold one in reserve 30 days later. I would, you know, or a month, month and a half later, I would um, publish that one that you have in reserve too, to just kind of keep things moving. And during all that time, you should still be writing, you know. Writing and writing and writing and writing. Four to six weeks after that, you know, then you should be ready to to have another one go up or, yeah. uh, you know, even, and I tell people, I'm like, it's not, you know, you don't have to think in full length. That's the beauty of self-publishing is like just getting titles out there. So, you know, I put three books in a series up. Well, maybe six weeks later, I'm going to put up a novella just to keep things moving. Well, maybe six weeks after that, I'm going to bundle my first three books and that counts as a new title. And when they're looking at the algorithms and things like that, any kind of new title um, is gonna gonna boost you. It's gonna send those little emails out. It's gonna, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, put you, put you on the reader matter. radar. Yeah, and you, you've got all your back matter with your your links and things right. like that. But just being creative and thinking outside the box, you know. Sure. I'm gonna and do a short story. I'm gonna bundle. I'm gonna, you know. 
Speaking of new titles, you have an installment in the 1001 Dark Knight series coming out later this year. Is that correct? I do. It's actually due Thursday. I'm still working oh, on it. Oh, <laughs> well, we better let you go then. I might kiss the flame. My 1001 Dark Knights is done. Hopefully, and it's uh, coming out in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, overachiever. Right? I, oh, I don't know. I think I you got think, me beat on that I one, Liliana Hart. <laughs> yeah, running ahead in that field. And Scott, I was going to ask you the same question, but I think it's you're pretty much on the same page with the it's all about yeah it really is about the inventory that seems yeah. more and more to be the case with indie and uh, and digital publishing absolutely we could talk all day we could about talk it. all day uh, we want to thank oh, you both for taking time out from your latest yeah, visit absolutely. to sonic uh we want to remind everyone <laughs> it's silverheartwriters.com is your membership site that allows people to connect with law enforcement research consultants and industry professionals the website too it's not just law enforcement like my contribution to the website is self-publishing seminars. So wonderful. Whenever I do, um, whenever I do these talks all over the country, you know, like I did a four hour workshop in Indianapolis. Um, we actually record those and, uh, videotape them and then oh, we wow. put them up on the website. So people that's can... incredibly valuable. We're going to yeah. go home and watch right now. Thank you very much. All your books are all for sale at the dinner party show.com. We have product pages up and we want to remind our listeners that if they buy through our site, we get a percentage of their sale supports the dinner party show. So thank you guys very much. Scott and Liliana, yeah, which supports we're everybody. Also crazy about. Yeah. Well, thank you, Christopher Travis and Eric Shaw. Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both so much for being here. All right. Thank you, too. We much. appreciate it. Well, we're going to keep the trend next Sunday. We've got another very successful More writer. writer. Yes, Patricia Cornwell is back. <laughs> the inventor of Kay Scarpetta, the number one best-selling author. She'll also, I believe, be talking about the ghost of Jack the Ripper. Absolutely. And yeah. diagnosing whether we we had an encounter with him here at the dinner party. Which we kind of think we did, maybe. But, you know, more on that next Sunday. Next Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, Central, and Mountain Time. You're on your own. You have to do we the don't, math. We, we're not even sure what time it is here. <laughs> Until then. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to The Dinner Party Show. Thanks.